feel like you're getting a lot of Pastor Johnny today. I apologize. I'm in the videos. I'm on the stage. Halfway through, I got to go back to kids' church and lead there. Um, I don't really have to. Some of you guys are like, okay, I guess. We'll see what happens. Uh, I, am, uh, I am excited that you came out to be with us this morning on, uh, what do they call this? Daily, daylight Savings Time. I'm so tired, you guys. I don't even know what it's called. Uh, last night, uh, Pastor Gary, who's the campus pastor at the other campus, and my wife and his wife and I, uh, we went out to see uh, Nate Bargatze, who's a comedian. Uh, it's very clean, don't worry. We're all very righteous people. Um, but we could only get tickets to the late show, so we didn't even, didn't even start till 9.30. And I'm feeling old today. So we're here, though, and I've had my coffee. Uh, we are in our Lent series that we have called Anchored. And uh, the reason that we called it Anchored uh, was because we are going to be using the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number one, to try to guide ourselves through uh, what it means to be tethered to church history, what it means to be tethered uh, to the story of God and to the story of God's people. And last week, I talked a little bit about what the Heidelberg Catechism was, and then afterwards, somebody said to me, so you talked a little bit about uh, that. I still have no idea at all what the Heidelberg Catechism is, so... Let's try again. We're going to try this again in a less boring way uh, than whatever I did last week. Uh, the Heidelberg Catechism was written during the Protestant Reformation about 450 years ago, and the purpose was to give voice to various questions that were arising in the church after it broke away from the Roman Catholic Church. So uh, we have a new church arising, the Reformed tradition, the Protestant tradition, the Lutheran tradition. These are all kind of uh, uh, around the same ideas. And it's split off from the Roman Catholic Church, which has its own catechism. And now they're trying to figure out, what do we do? How do we teach doctrine? What are the burning questions that we need to answer as a people to have this church? So the word catechism simply means a summary of the principles of Christianity. Different branches of the Christian faith use different catechisms. Like I said, the Lutherans came up with a catechism written by Martin Luther. Uh, the Catholic Church has a catechism. And then the Heidelberg Catechism was written by people for the Reformed Church, part of the Reformed tradition, and we are still using the Heidelberg Catechism today in the Reformed Church as a way to teach Reformed doctrine. That's all very boring, so let me say it this way. The Heidelberg Catechism is kind of like the frequently asked questions section of a website. That's basically what it is, okay? This is the FAQs of the Christian faith. These are the frequently asked questions of what it means to follow God, what it means to belong to the family of God. It's the FAQs. Um, and so the Heidelberg has a lot of questions and answers, uh, and most of them uh, are related to what life was like 450 years ago. But there are also questions and answers that have a lot to do still with our lives today, with the way that we conduct ourselves today, and with the way that we think about theology today. So even though it's an old book and the language uh, is a little bit old, uh, it still has a lot of value for us as the people of God today. So for this series, we are anchoring ourselves to the Reformed tradition and anchoring ourselves to the history of the church by looking at the first question raised by the Heidelberg Catechism, which is, what is my only comfort in life and in death? 
So last week we talked about comfort. We talked about the, the human need for comfort and how God meets us in that space and doesn't just offer us spiritual platitudes, but God actually enters into our discomfort with us and offers us that comfort. That's the beautiful gift of God. And we talked about the question, what is my only comfort in life and in death? And now this Sunday we're going to start to answer the question uh, that the Heidelberg Catechism has asked. What is my only comfort in life and in death? But before we get to that, let's turn now to Scripture. We're going to be in the book of Galatians. It's just a couple of verses out of Galatians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So um, when I was 12 years old, uh, my family moved from Charles City, Iowa, to Waterloo, Iowa. I had moved a lot as a kid. Um, every four or five years, my dad would uh, become a pastor or a teacher in a new town, and so I moved around a lot. I think I moved uh, five times by the time I was 12 years old, so I was used to it. Uh, but this particular move was very different because my dad had been hired to be a seventh grade teacher uh, at a private Christian school in Waterloo, and I was going into seventh grade. Can you imagine what's better than having your dad be your seventh grade, mm, such joy. Uh, so I, I've mentioned this before. I don't try to brag about it, uh, but I was homeschooled growing up. Uh, and uh, this was the first year of my life that I was going to be going to real school. The first year of my life that I was going to have to sit down at a desk like a schmuck and learn with other kids, not just my dining room table. Uh, and so I, uh, I was going into this situation that I had never gone into before with a whole bunch of people that I had never met before, and my dad was going to be uh, the math teacher. Uh, and it was, it was rough. It was a rough. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It was a rough year. It was unpleasant uh, in the extreme. And a big part of what made it so tough is that I never, ever felt like I fit in. I did not have the right clothes. I didn't have the right social skills as uh, I'm not making fun of all homeschoolers, but I personally did not have the right social skills. Let's say it that way. Uh, I didn't have the right social skills. My parents were very strict with what we could watch on TV, and, and we didn't even go to movies when I was a kid at all. And I found out very quickly that I did not have the right cultural knowledge uh, to fit in in middle school. I didn't know what these kids were talking about with their TVs and their movies and all this. Um, and so I was joining a class full of kids who had been together at this school since kindergarten, and it was seventh grade, which was not a great, you know, year for my awkwardness. Um, and it was hard. It was a hard, hard year. Even as a seventh grader, it was clear to me that there were barriers between me and everyone else in my class. It was a hard year because I never felt like I belonged. I never felt like I belonged. So there has actually been quite a bit of psychological research done in the last 30 years or so on the topic of belonging. This is a serious area of study for psychologists and for researchers, the area of belonging. And kind of the upshot of a lot of that research is that belonging is one of the most basic and primary human needs that we have. Belonging is a basic and primary human need. So 
uh, a psychologist named Abraham Maslow developed what's called the human hierarchy of needs. And it's a, it's a pyramid of human needs. So at the bottom are your physiological needs. I mean, this is like eat, sleep, right? That's pretty basic stuff. The next level up is safety. We need, uh, we need to feel safe. We need to have walls around us. We need to have some stability in our lives. This is a physical need to be safe. And the very next tier, once our physical needs are met, once our needs for uh, food and sleep and safety have all been met, the very first psychological need that people have is belonging. Uh, in other words, once we have uh, everything we need to eat and we have all of our stability, the most important need that we have is to belong. So two other psychologists and researchers, uh, Ray Baumeister and Mark Leary, used uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs here to explore deeper what that need for belonging looked like. How does this manifest itself? What does it mean? Sure, we need belonging. It's nice that you can say that, but what does that mean? How does it manifest itself when we don't have belonging? And what they found was both surprising but it's also something that probably we know intuitively. When we feel as though we don't belong, it has detrimental effects in all areas of our life. All areas of our life. So lack of belonging is connected uh, to issues like behavioral and emotional problems in children and teens. A sense of not belonging contributes to emotional and behavioral problems. Not belonging, a sense of not belongingness, has been found to be a driver of eating disorders, a driver of all sorts of different mental health issues uh, that people suffer with have been found to link back uh, a lot of times to a lack of belonging. And even our immune systems show that they don't work as well when we lack a sense of belonging. When we are lonely, when we don't feel like we belong anywhere, when we don't think anybody understands us and we don't have any connection, it literally can make us sick. It reduces our immune system's ability to fight off the bad things that are coming in. This is a real psychological and physiological response that we have to not belonging. And honestly, that's just scratching the surface of uh, the things that Baumeister and Leary found. I actually, somebody called me this week, it was Dave, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm reading psychological papers about belonging. He said, sounds fun, so good for you. Uh, it's a, it was a long paper, I didn't read it all, but I read enough to know that there's a lot of detrimental things that happen to us when we feel like we don't belong. Belonging is a primary human need. When we don't feel like we belong, when we're mired in loneliness and feel like we don't fit in anywhere, it, it literally and mentally makes us sick. Belonging is not just an emotional need. Belonging is connected to our whole selves, body, mind, and spirit. We need to belong. So our passage today uh, was written to a group of people who were struggling with their sense of belonging. It's written to a group of people who were struggling with what that means to belong. The church in Galatia uh, was started by the Apostle Paul, and so Paul writes the letter back to the Galatians, and uh, they were made up primarily, the, the people in these churches were made up primarily of converted pagans. So a lot of uh, churches in, uh, that Paul started were comprised primarily of Jewish converts. Some were comprised of Jewish converts uh, mixing together with pagan converts, and then some churches, like the churches in Galatia, were primarily 
pagan converts. So these are people who have no uh, sense of Yahweh. They have no sense of the Jewish God. They have no sense of the law uh, that the Jewish population followed. They are people who have left the pagan ways, uh, probably polytheism and all sorts of things like that, and have accepted the good news of Jesus Christ. They have become part of the family of God. So the, the churches were ones that Paul had a deep love and care for. They had received the good news of Jesus joyfully. They had been baptized into the body of Christ. They had been filled with the Holy Spirit. These people who had no connection at all to the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had become part of the family of God. They were confident that they belonged to the family of God. When Paul left the churches and moved on with his missionary journey, he left them in wonderful shape and positioned for the future. So now, what happened? Because I said these people had a, a sense of struggle with belonging. So what happened was, after Paul left, some other missionaries came to Galatia. There was a lot of missionaries walking around the ancient world, and these missionaries also brought with them the message of Jesus Christ. They came and said, Jesus was the Messiah. He died on the cross for our sins. He was raised on the third day. We need to put our faith in him. And the Galatians were like, yeah, we did that. We love it. It's awesome. We're doing good. And the missionaries said, yeah, but there's more. But there's more to it than that. Where, where Paul had come and just said, what you need is Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you belong to the family of God. This new group of missionaries came and said, what you need is Jesus plus adherence to the Jewish law. What you need is to follow Jesus. What you also need is to follow the Jewish laws. You need circumcision. You need to uh, respect the Sabbath. You need to watch what you eat, right? All of the different laws that the Jewish Christians were following, they were now bringing to this group of people in Galatians saying, you have to do this too. So suddenly, these churches that had been so filled with joy and energy for the kingdom of God now had a barrier uh, put up in front of them. The sense of belonging that the Galatian Christians had first experienced was now replaced with a sense of anxiety about what they had to do, what they had to accomplish, what rules they had to follow in order to be part of the family of God. Where once they belonged, <coughs> now they were finding anxiety about belonging. And so into that situation, Paul sends a letter back to the Galatians. This is what we read this morning. Into that situation of this uh, sense of belonging and not belonging, what do I have to do to follow Jesus? Paul sends a letter. And like all of Paul's letters, it's full of theology and rhetorical power, but it is also intensely personal. It's intensely pastoral. Paul loves these churches. He doesn't just see them as people who need to be argued with or reasoned with or just told the truth and accept it and get on with his own merry way. Paul loves these churches and he writes a deeply personal letter. His goal is not to reteach the doctrine that he has already taught to the churches in Galatia. It's not to reteach, but to reassure them of the truth that they had already received. What Paul is saying is, you know this to be true. This is the gospel that you received. This is the gospel that was handed to you, that you received with joy. You need to remember who you are in Jesus Christ. He's telling them to remember that they belong to Christ and to the family of God. He's telling them to remember that there are no barriers between them and the deep, never-failing love of God. 
And so to do that, he takes aim not only at the message of those who preach that adherence to the Jewish law is a prerequisite for membership into God's family. He does that in this book. He says, uh, these people who come and preach circumcision to you, they don't know what they're talking about. These people who come and tell you that you need to follow the Jewish law, let me tell you, they don't even follow the Jewish law. It's an impossibility. And he has this whole teaching about why they don't have to follow the Jewish law. But he goes further than that. Paul goes further than that, and he takes aim at the deepest social economic, and religious divisions that existed in society at that time. He goes further than just countering the message of these Jewish Christian uh, missionaries who had added to the message of the gospel. And he says, actually, it goes even beyond that. To belong to God is to break down all of the social barriers that exist between people in the world today. Paul's goal is to tell the churches in Galatia that they belong to the family of God no matter what. So Paul structures his argument as a counter-narrative to an ancient prayer that was recited by Jewish men. This prayer was actually first attributed to Socrates, and then it was adopted by and developed by ancient rabbis. The prayer was intended to be a prayer of gratitude that Jewish men could pray each morning. Now, I want to stress, uh, before we get to the prayer, that this is not in the Bible. This is not a biblical prayer. This prayer did not come out of the Torah. This, this prayer was uh, prayed by Socrates. It was given by Socrates, and then it was adopted by Jewish rabbis. Uh, and so when I show you the prayer, I just want you to know this is not in the Bible, okay? Uh, don't worry, because it's pretty rough. Uh, it's pretty rough stuff. And it was a prayer that Paul would have been very familiar with, a prayer that Paul would have been familiar with, and a prayer that highlights the type of divisions that existed in the world that the Galatian churches occupied. And the, the prayer was this, thank God that I am not a Gentile, thank God that I am not a slave, thank God I am not a woman. I had to type that into this presentation today, and that felt weird, you guys. I didn't like that. I didn't like how I felt doing that at all. This was a, a prayer that would have been common in Paul's day. This would have, would have been a prayer that uh, he would have been familiar with, that probably other people would have been familiar with. And so Paul actually uses this prayer and creates a counter-teaching to it. Whereas this prayer shows the deepest divisions in society, Paul now attacks that and says this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In other words, when you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, there are no barriers to belonging. When you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, there are no more barriers to belonging. You are in Christ, you belong to Christ, you belong to the family of God because of what Jesus has accomplished for you. And it doesn't even just get to the rules, the Jewish uh, laws and customs that they were being told to follow. What he's saying is even the deepest divisions in society, the divisions between genders, the divisions between economic classes, the division between social status, all of this goes away. Not that, not that we suddenly all become whitewashed, but that we know that even in those differences, we belong fully 100% to each other. There's no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. We belong fully. There are no barriers, socioeconomic, religious, none, between us and the family of God. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter where we come from, we belong fully to the family of God. 
And that's how the Heidelberg Catechism begins to answer the question, what is my only comfort in life and in death? After that question, the answer section of the Heidelberg reminds us that we are not alone, but that we belong. That I am not my own, that I am not alone, but that I belong. That we are part of the family of God, that we are both in Christ, that as we are joined together with Christ in a, in a very metaphysical, spiritual, theological sense, we've become part of Christ himself, and we are also joined together with the body of Christ, with the believers gathered here today, but the believers gathered everywhere today and across all of time. That's how we are joined with the family of believers. This is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer was getting at when he wrote that Christian community is this. We belong to one another through and in Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of Christian community, and that is what it means to belong. So uh, Ray Baumeister and Mark Leary, those fun psychological research guys, uh, they define belonging like this. Having a bond or relationships marked by stability, effective concern, and continuation into the foreseeable future. Academics are so warm um, in their writing. In less dry speak, belonging means having relationships that we can count on. Having relationships with people who care for us and having relationships that don't have an expiration date. That's what it means to belong. That's the kind of relationship God promised to us when he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the type of relationship Jesus instructed his disciples uh, and us to have with each other when he says, I have a command for you, love one another as I have loved you. This is the type of relationship that Paul describes later on in the book of Galatians when he says, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. Care for one another and the needs of each other. Carry each other's burdens. This is the type of relationship we're promised with God and the family of God when we read the words of Revelation describing people of every tribe, tongue, and nation gathering together to worship God. This is the place where the barriers have been broken where they no longer are in place to hold between us, where we all belong. So this is what I want you to hear today. If you came in this morning wondering if you belong somewhere, the answer is yes. If you ever wonder if you are loved, the answer is yes. If you ever wonder if there is somewhere we fit in, the answer is yes. It doesn't matter if you've been in the church for 75 years or if this is your first Sunday here. If you are part of the family of God, then you belong. Every one of us here belongs to each other. We are anchored to the family of God stretching all the way back to Abraham. When the promise was initially made to Abraham that God said, I will make a covenant with you. I will make your name great. I will make so many sons and daughters come from you. This is what we belong to. The family of God made through the covenant with God. We are bound together today as people of God with each other. If you came and thought, do I belong? Am I loved? Does anyone understand me? Does anyone care? The answer to all of those questions today is yes. So I want to open it up this morning a little bit. Um, the band is going to come up to play. 
as I, as I looked at this sermon, as I considered the, the Heidelberg answer to the question, what is my only comfort in life and in death? And the question starts with, I am not my own, but belong. I realize that belonging is a crisis. 25% of us here today feel like no one understands us. This is what research says. Research says that 50% of us here today feel like we don't have meaningful relationships outside of our family. 50% of us here today, according to research, feel like we lack meaningful relationships. And almost 75% of people in American culture, so I think it'd be fair to say uh, 75% of us here today, feel moderate to high degrees of loneliness. That we don't belong. That nobody cares. Nobody understands. We don't have a place that we can go. No one will listen to us. We don't belong. This is the research. I didn't make these numbers up to have a good sermon. Um, this is what the research tells us about belonging in this country today. So this morning, I want to give us a chance to make a connection. To make a connection. So we're going to have elders, uh, they're going to be standing up right now, and they're going to be going out to the, to the edges. Uh, there's going to be three on this side at the pillars, and there's going to be three at this side at the pillars and in front of the Connection Center. We're going to have uh, an elder down here in front, and then I'm going to stand right down here. Uh, because I think we need a chance to make a connection today. For you, maybe you came in and you are lonely. Maybe you're one of those 75% of Americans who say that they feel lonely a lot of the time. Maybe you're part of the 50% who say you don't have any meaningful relationships in your lives. Maybe that's your need this morning and you need to come and make a connection. Maybe uh, you need prayer today about family troubles or about financial problems in your life. Maybe you need prayer about addiction. Maybe you need prayer because it feels like everything in your life is just spinning out of control. Whatever it is that you need prayer for this morning, part of your need is belonging. Part of your need comes back to this sense, I'm alone. No one cares. I don't have access to the love of God or to relationships with other people. So here's what I'm gonna say. You don't have to be lonely here. You don't have to be lonely when you come to the bridge. You don't have to wonder if you fit in. You don't have to wonder if someone wants to pray for you. You don't have to wonder if someone cares about what you're going through. The answer is, yes, we do. Yes, we do. You belong to Christ, and we belong to each other. So I would encourage you, even if you don't know any of the elders standing around, we do know each other because we all belong to the same family of God. Even if you feel a little bit awkward about standing up and going and talking to somebody about something in your life, ah, I just don't know if I can do that. You know what? You don't have to tell them everything. Just go and make a connection. Make a connection with the family of God because the truth is this morning that our only comfort in life and in death is Jesus. And through Jesus, we belong. So the band's going to play. 
They're going to remind us of how much we're loved. And I would encourage you, go and find someone to show you the love of God this morning.